When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge episode, which I am extremely excited to talk about. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Let's start talking about Shang-Chi. Wow, this movie was a blast to watch. I saw it on Thursday. It's now Monday, so it's been a few days, and I wish I would have recorded this sooner, but I was leaving out of town and I didn't have time. Because the, the reason I wish I would have recorded sooner was because coming back to the, the from the theater, I was on just that great feeling like, man, that was a blast. I really enjoyed myself. I feel a lot of excitement about this particular thing that I just experienced. Because Shang-Chi really was a blast to watch. I, I went to the theater. I had a great time watching it. I would say I had moderate expectations. I'm going to get into those. But this really was just a blast to watch, and I can't say that enough. So let's kind of break it down with our first segment here. Two cents, and really give my spoiler-free thoughts about this film and why it really worked and the things about it that worked really well and also talk slightly about things that didn't work as well. So, two cents. Here we go. Completely spoiler-free. This episode is going to be shorter and for the most part completely spoiler-free if I will let you know when spoilers are coming. Either way, here we go with two cents. And I already mentioned how this was just great entertainment to go and watch in the theater. And one of the biggest reasons that just Marvel films in general really have appeal for, to me at least, is their characters. Whether it's an Avengers film or a standalone Marvel film, I feel like that's something that they have always got well, is, is the characters. Characters that are easy to be interested in, to root for, and to want to see more of. And this is 100% true here as well. I, I mean, I, I heard some sentiment from other people, like, why would I go be interested in this film of an Avenger who I've never heard of before? You know, that Chong-Chi is kind of the forgotten Avenger. And so I was worried that that, that really was going to be a downfall of this film, that, oh, suddenly we got to care about this new character, which is just going to be a problem of phase four moving forward as new characters are, are introduced. And, and after something as big as Endgame. Anyway, that being said, the characters here all felt real and, and were super easy to get involved in and root for and just enjoy on screen. Maybe it's because I'm a sucker for origin stories, but this one, I just really loved these characters immediately and wanted to be on the journey with them and experience it with them and see more of them. Unlike Black Widow, which just... Black Widow is a character whom I love and I just wasn't interested in any of those characters outside of just being like funny and, and entertaining, it wasn't like a character who I was really invested in. Anyway, that's enough about Black Widow. Let's keep talking about Shang-Chi. And speaking of Shang-Chi, Sami Liu, Liu, I don't, whoever plays Shang-Chi or Sean, 
it, it, he is great. Simu, I think his name. Simu? Simu, that makes more sense. I, I looked it up before and listened to it over and over again how to pronounce it, but I, I'm just getting it all wrong. Anyway, he is fantastic the way that he carries his character. I'm, and then going to get into the story a little bit more, but just the way he carries the character in every aspect of the story, the humor, the action, the drama, the excitement of it all. He's just a character that's that's awesome to root for and get behind in this journey and be thrust into the fantastical side of it with. It's fantastic. And right alongside him, Aquafina as Katie. They are two friends and they have fantastic chemistry together on screen in every possible way. I, I just love the two of them together and their characters. To me, the surprise, which if I would have looked at the cast, I would have been surprised, but I didn't even look who is in this movie. Tony Leung as Zhu Wenwu or Shang's father is fantastic. He, he steals the show in every scene he's in and really adds some stakes as the villain or the antagonist of the film without just being a really dumb villain. Like, I, I again, a character that in a way you root for to, to come around and, and do the right thing, so to speak, while also being totally intimidating and kind of intense and scary the way that a villain and an antagonist needs to be. He plays that fantastically. And then the other one who is fantastic is Menger Zhang as Zai Ling or Shang-Chi's sister. She is great. The way she plays this brooding, snooty, kind of snappy character. She's fantastic as like this darker individual. Uh, darker, not really, but, you know, just kind of brooding. She plays so well. Uh, and I love to see her. And what's interesting is we were watching the film, you know, kind of branching off from the characters is we were just watching and I really got engaged in it and really involved in it in a good way very quickly. You know, sometimes films take a while to really bring you in. And again, comparing it to Black Widow, but that's just because it's the most recent Marvel film to come out. It, it took a while for me to be invested in the stakes and the fun and the enjoyment of it where this was so immediately. Even for my wife who isn't a Marvel fan by any means and and not even really a movie person. Like she enjoys movies. She goes to them, the new ones with me mainly to support me and to be a nice wife. I mean, she's not looking up new trailers for films, that type of thing. Anyway, she leaned over to me while we were watching and said, this is way better than the trailers made it out to be. And that was just in the opening act. Like this was really early on in the film that just immediately we are all there like, wow. This is great. This is a lot more than the trailers let on to be. This is has so many more elements and is way more dynamic than the trailers made it out to be. I'm really enjoying this, and I, and I completely agree with her. And, and all the elements of the film really work together. For example, this film has a lot of fantasy elements, and it works well. The, the fantasy doesn't come out of nowhere. It feels consistent throughout the entire story. Family drama is another element that isn't too over the top in the way that it just tries to create drama for the sake of a drama. Like, it, it feels lived in and real for the characters who I just talked about earlier. It has a realistic ebb and flow. The, the motivations of the villains, so to speak, aren't just flat-out villainy, but just family drama in the way that it has already kind of existed in real family relationships, and it works well within the confines of the story. Now, the conclusion, which, of course, is a big fight at the end, and, you know, all that particular stuff that we're used to with these times of types of films feels self-contained within the pre-existing 
family drama and fantasy elements. It, it fits within all of that naturally. And it allows the entire film to feel standalone without it just being like, oh, this is just plot armor so that this movie can be a movie without well, still being the MCU, if that makes sense. Sometimes we watch these interconnected films that we're experiencing more and more, and it's like, oh, we just have to kind of remind ourselves that these characters aren't involved in this other event that's happening over here, where this one, or you walk, watch Black Widow, for example, again, to compare it to that, and oh, how did the Avengers or, or anybody else not get involved in this, where this these events as large and, and scaled up as they get, again, feels just naturally within that family drama, and it works really well. It's, it's self-contained that the Ten Rings as an organization and as a thing, as a power source, wouldn't be something that the Eye of the Avengers or whoever you want to pick would be on, and that the events that transpire here are really just the events that happen between a family. And it works extremely well that way, and it, it makes it easier to be engaged in what's happening in front of you right now. Even the way that it deals with the blip, for example, that's a consistent thing that we're going to have to deal with through the rest of the MCU. And it's not something that's just going to be easy to sweep under the rug. It, it's here. It's not the central focus of the entire story, like Spider-Man Far From Home, for example, if you will. And, and it's something that happens, and it's there, and it's acknowledged, but it isn't particularly affecting this, the, these people or this family too much which does loosen the connectiveness to the rest of the MCU, but I consider that a really good thing in the way that it just acknowledges it's something that is there and lets the story be what it needs to be. Aside from all of that, the action choreography is really great. The martial arts, whatever particular style it actually is, actually feels like martial arts, not just people punching and kicking at each other kind of sporadically. It's well shot and well edited within the Western style that it is, it follows a pattern of Snake Eyes, which I did a review on earlier, where it starts to do something really great that I hope for to cross over into Western films internationally, particularly in an, a film with a, a, a largely Asian cast about Asian characters. And then it just takes that great thing and then cuts back to what is already so consumable by the general Western audience. And it's not quite as bad. As Snake Eyes, the action isn't totally shaken up and just ruined. But it's not a wuxia film, as I've heard people call it. And, and those earlier views who are saying it's like a wuxia Marvel film, it's not. It has influence from those international films. And I was really hoping for a full-blown wuxia film in the MCU. I was stoked for that. And it starts to have elements in the action and the action choreography that feel very... Wuxia in the way that it has wire foo and kind of allows the fantasy elements to be implemented into the action choreography. But even the way that the martial arts are filmed and used by the characters feels like it's influenced by Asian cinema while not. Like just kind of stealing ideas but not having the courage to really lean into those ideas and let those ideas be as cool and exciting and different as they really are. It you know, even the way the wire foos move, characters start to kind of float up, if you understand what I'm saying with wire foo, to then quickly come back down to the ground. It doesn't linger. It, it cuts itself off before it really allows it to leave it, lean into the coolness of that genre. All that being said, for what the action is, B 
being consumable blockbuster Western action. It's well done. It's highly watchable. The actors do a phenomenal job. The stunt doubles also do a fantastic job. It's just well done. It's well shot, well performed. Great to watch. We're used to watching this, and what we're watching is well made, and that's a good thing. Now, moving on to some other things I really liked about this. The music, for example, I really enjoyed. Both the soundtrack and the score that we see in so many blockbusters now, particularly Marvel films, I actually really, really enjoyed here, and it didn't annoy me. I really loved it. The other thing here is that this film is hilarious. I, I Funny. Marvel films have always had those quips and those jokes, but this one in particular just really worked with me as far as the humor goes. And not just me. There were so many moments throughout the entire film where me and the entire audience I was with in the theaters, we were all laughing out loud. Particularly the character, if you didn't know, this is a small spoiler, Ben Kingsley character, Ben Kingsley's character, Trevor Slattery from Iron Man 3, he comes back and he is hilarious. Also, the way that he comes back fits perfectly in the Marvel one-shot. If you haven't seen it, All Hail the King. It used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it still is, but it's on Disney+. Plus. It, it fits perfectly within the way that he comes back here, and it, I love that. It feels like it's not a total undo while still being retcon. It just works well. Anyway, he is hilarious. But even before he shows up, the film is funny. It has great humor that really works with me, but when he shows up, the theater was erupting. Not just me, because I tend to laugh, loud. I have a boisterous laugh and things make me laugh a lot. Everyone in the theater, we were really laughing, like really hooting and hollering. It was funny. It, Maurice and Trevor, when you get to that point in the film, because you should definitely go see this, you will understand. The theater was erupting, particularly the scene with the horse, the weird horse. Oh my gosh, the, the theater lost it. And me too. And, and I just kept laughing about it. Really, I can't express how funny, particularly in the middle act, but also kind of the beginning just has, you know, humor where the middle act is just flat out hilarious. Works super well. Now, those are all the things that I really, really loved about the film. With a slight complaint I had about the wuxia and, and Asian cinema being kind of limited in the way that it was used in this film. Now, some other things that I didn't really like is that there's way too much green screen it was used consistently. They, they have these beautiful locations, these beautiful trees and, and scenery and greenery. And you can see the actor there. And then you can see when they're on a green screen trying to replicate it and it just doesn't work. You can tell when it's a cut to the green screen, but you can also see in the background when it's the actual location versus the green screen. Kind of bummer there. The other thing, and this is just a problem the MCU is having lately, is why is everything super powerful? Like, why does every story have to be, this is the most powerful thing that we've ever seen? Like, like there's going to be a power crisis somewhere. In addition to that, the end credit scenes leave me with just so many questions and builds on the problem that the MCU has of too many things happening at once. But even the way that that happens, the end credit scenes were done in a way that fits within the already naturally occurring events and story. Like, it doesn't just feel like a cheap tack-on. It feels like things that would genuinely happen that are going to influence the future later, not like, oh, yeah, we got to remember that this has got to have a lingering influence. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what would naturally happen within this universe that we're already enjoying. The way that they were added on, they don't feel like an add-on. They feel like an inclusion, and it really works well. 
So yeah, I, 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 w- I was surprised by the film. I'm going to get more into my expectations, but either way, it is blast watch. There are so many things about this film that it does really, really well while having some imperfections and some limitations, but for the most part, it works well. The story is a bit of a repeat in the way it fo- follows so much of the pattern we saw in Black Panther. It's a story we've seen so many times before, particularly with it be- being an origin story, but I'm a sucker for origin stories, so I enjoyed it. And if you just accepted that that's what it is, it's a well-made origin story and works really well and you can enjoy it for the uniqueness that it does have while still kind of being limited and for the great characters that are here that i'm like super excited for i don't think that i've so quickly been invested in a character at least in the mcu normally took a few films or their involvement in an avengers team up for me to really like pick a favorite where i know continually the characters here in this film are going to be my favorite whenever they show up again, be that in a team-up film or another standalone. I can't wait for them to be involved more. So go see the film. I promise you'll enjoy it. Now to wrap up two cents here that's been a little bit long, let's talk about everything else, kind of the reaction that this film has had as I have the chance waiting to record this episode, see what the reaction is. As far as the critics goes, it's sitting at a 92% on the tomato meter for the critics with a 98% audience score. Now, that is really high. That's a fantastic score with the audience. It's an 8.1 on IMDb and 3.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now, I want to go back and and look at Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not a huge fan of Rotten Tomatoes, but it is just a consistent uh, source of, of measuring and comparison. Like I mentioned, this film is sitting at 92% from the critics. Next to that, I'm just scrolling through the list here, is Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man Homecoming just below Thor Ragnarok at 93, right? So above that, the only things we have is Black Panther at 96, Avengers Endgame at 94, Iron Man at 94, Thor Ragnarok at 93. And then tied at 92% is Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, and now Shang-Chi. Obviously, that might go down a little bit. So that's above things like The Avengers, Far From Home, Civil War, The Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, yada, yada, yada. The list goes on and on. Either way, this is a really high score, so I'm glad to see that people really are enjoying this. Again, you should go see it. It, It's great. Really, really go enjoy it. Now, the box office. How much money is it making? For the box office, it has been smashing records okay so this was released over labor day weekend here in the u.s which is where a monday is a day off work that pretty much everybody takes not everybody but the large majority of people don't work this money so it's a longer weekend for the international listeners that being said it's a pretty slow weekend for the box office typically most people in choosing to be outside vacationing family type things before summer ends now, all of that being, so the film, how did it, it do? It opened for the first two days, it's, it's typical weekend, for, with 75 million, right? 75 and a half million. That, that is great numbers for the pandemic, just behind Black Widow, which will open at, I think, 80 million. So doing a fantastic job for the pandemic. But on top of that, it crushed records for the Labor Day four-day holiday weekend, collecting 90 million over the four-day weekend, 
which beats the record for Labor Day because normally big films aren't released on Labor Day. It's a slow day for the box office. But not now. It, the, the record for the Labor Day weekend belongs to a 2007 film, Halloween, with $30 million. That was the record way back in 2007. And Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings just broke it with $90 million in the middle of the coronavirus. So great numbers for the pandemic that has been really leery. You know, I mentioned how I was there on a Thursday. It was a pretty packed theater. So yeah, have a great uh, response here at the box office. Now, if we want to compare that box office to something that's a little more normal, obviously we're not going to compare this like Endgame or something. But another film that, you know, wasn't a, a large draw for tons of people, at least within the MCU, Iron Man 3, which is, you know, also involves the Ten Rings, uh, that opened with $175 million. Granted, that was an Iron Man film, and those were incredibly successful. People really enjoyed that, uh, and it also wasn't during the pandemic. So, good numbers. Now, as far as it's worldwide, as of the time of recording, it's sitting at $146 million, almost $150. So, good numbers for the film. Okay, all of that being said, that's been a long enough two cents. Let's move on to the next segments. Now, some quick announcements before we move on to those other segments. Please leave a review on Podchaser, podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Particularly if you leave a review on the La La Land episodes, I'm giving away a digital copy of La La Land. You can win that by simply just leaving a review. It helps out the show more than I can ever explain, letting me know what particular episodes you listeners are enjoying. You know, even a negative review is helpful while also helping other people know it's a quality show that they should listen to. The reason that I recommend Podchaser is, one, it allows me to see reviews in one consistent place. It's accessible by everybody, not just those Apple individuals, but even a review on Apple Podcasts is or iTunes is ex- extremely appreciated. So please leave a review on Podchaser, podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge or linked in the show notes. Additionally, behind the scenes, the podcast is moving to a different host. Nothing's changing with a podcast, just the it, the company that I use to distribute my podcast to the internet is changing. It normally doesn't mess anything up, but just in case, if you don't see an episode in the next week or two, maybe just go search for The Basement Binge again and make sure that you're still subscribed in the right location on any podcast provider that you're currently listening on. Again, shouldn't mess anything up, but just in case, now you're aware. Additionally, more exciting than that, over on Matt Goes to the Movies, who I mention all the time, a great podcast. Um, who has some great episodes that you should go listen to. We are starting, we, meaning myself, Rob, and then Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies, are doing a watch-through of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. That starts later this week, so the first episode will be coming out next week. I'm extremely excited about that, so go check out Matt Goes to the Movies, wherever you get the podcast. Again, also linked in the show notes. So let's move on from the announcements on to the last three segments here, starting with Pick your poison. Here at the Basement Binge, this is just a rating scale. Instead of having stars or percentages or whatever, there's four choices how we would interact with this film after this particular watch of it. Bottom of the list, worst ranking, never watch it again. Super straightforward. Above that is to stream it. It's on a service that you're already watching. You might be interested in watching again if there was a hole in your content consumption. You're just looking for something to watch. Above that is to rent it. You'd be willing to pay a few dollars in the right circumstances. And top of the list, obviously, is to buy it digitally, physically, doesn't matter. Pay for it, full price, watch as much as you want. I have talked about so many times how I'm a collector of Blu-rays, particularly a collector of collections, be that the MCU. That was the first 
Blu-rays and, and films that I started collecting. My taste and expansion uh, in, in Blu-rays has gone way past that now, and then those are now kind of low priority for me. I have no interest in owning Black Widow. Disney Plus is way cheaper and, and really kind of takes away any motivation to complete that collection beyond what it already is. That being said, Shang-Chi is a film that I'm going to own. I loved this. It was funny. It was entertaining. And it was standalone enough that I know this is just so easy to watch. You know, it's standalone and the end credits are, are just there. That I, I can put this on. I can just watch Shang-Chi. I don't have to be worried about anything else except for what's happening here. On top of that, this is a film that I want to watch again. The characters I already mentioned how I loved. The, the story is enjoyable and it's funny. I, I really would love to watch this again so it is going to be one of those that i buy it being part of the mcu and the collecting side of it does make it a little bit easier to want that but even without that this is a film that i would love to watch again so let's move on to the next segment here live up so obviously this is a segment where i talked about my expectations what they were and if the film was able to live up to those normally this would be a segment where we would get into the spoilers but because this is such a new film I want to talk about this completely spoiler-free. So if you haven't seen the film, you can still stick around. So did this film live up to my expectations? Both yes and no. You could kind of gather that from two cents. Yes, it lived up to my expectations and that it's a great addition to the Marvel film catalog. It reminds me why these films are fun and why so many of us, including me, fell in love with them. I'd slowly been losing interest and steam with the MCU after Black Widow and even some things that were happening in Disney Plus as, as... much as I have positive things to say about those, the interest was running out. The, the train was slowing down. A lot of it just felt unnecessary and over the top, and the stakes were too high, and it, it just felt more and more of the same thing. Now, yes, this film does have repeats of the same stuff that we're used to, but it has enough to spice it up and make it really interesting. And outside of this film, really, I, I just had hopes for Eternals, and then was just kind of moderately excited about this. I was just going to go see it because I like seeing new films. But then early reviews started to come in, and I got really high expectation based off those reviews. If it weren't for those reviews and I just went into this film with moderate expectations, I would have been completely blown away and would have been one of those reviews that was really talking about how fantastic it was. So that's the other side about it. But no, how did it not live up to my expectations? Those early reviews really caused me to have such high expectations particularly how reviewers who I trust kept talking about how it being a great wuxia film in the MCU. And I was really looking forward to that. And it, it just isn't. It has those elements and, and it, you can tell it, it's inspired by them, but it doesn't lean into them in a way that I would ever categorize this as a wuxia film. It's, it's a Marvel film, a typical blockbuster action film with some kind of interesting wire work. That's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't include wuxia or wire fu in the sentence with this film at all. And their CGI is a bit too much. And so for that reason, I was kind of disappointed because I was really excited for the uniqueness of it that it just lacks. Now that being said, there's so much about it. The, the characters, the story, the humor, that do feel unique and it's just fantastic. While the, the repetitiveness being compared to Black Panther or so many other origin stories we've seen in this comic book franchise, it freshens that up right like like that is something that works there's a reason that we keep watching it and it finds a way to freshen it up enough that being said we gotta find ways to keep freshening this up or really change it 
So yes and no, it lived up to my expectations. Now let's move on to the last segment here, binge points. Now there's no way to talk about binge points, which are Easter eggs, details, hidden things in the films, or just things that are fun to mention without it being spoilers. So these are where the spoilers are going to come out. If you haven't seen the film, go watch it. It's a blast. Enjoy it in the theaters. Be safe. And please leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge. For those of you who have seen the film, let's get into the spoilers. First, this was the first bench point I have wrote down. The car that they drive away into to get to Talo is, you know, has a spray paint on the side. It's the dude's machete arm. It's his car. And the entire time I thought it said razor face on it, which remind, I thought was like a, a joke to taser face in the Guardians film, but it's Razor Fist. That's the dude's name, Razor Fist. Either way, Razor Fist, Taser Face, I, thought, I, I think that's an intentional reference, which was funny. The other thing, and what the heck is going on with Wong and the Abomination? We saw him in the trailer. They are here very quickly in the film, and then they're gone. And, and like, what? You're just going to drop the Abomination here in a, like a long-term partnership that he has with Wong what the heck is going on and like did Wong start fighting in this this you know dark web uh, black market thing because of the blip like what the heck I don't know other things the end credit scenes which I mentioned I have so many questions how is Bruce not smart Hulk like there was so much that I anticipated based off him being smart Hulk or Professor Hulk more properly named in Endgame and this isn't before Endgame. And he's back to Bruce. He's even still in a sling with the arm he used to snap. How is he Bruce again? You're just going to like have that happen and not mention anything? Also, Carol Danvers being there and then quickly having to leave. Like, what's going on there? On top of that, the, the Ten Rings being ancient. What did they say? Like 10,000 years old or something like that? Who the heck are they messaging? The Eternals? Is there anybody else that old that they would be mentioning that would make sense for the Eternals to get involved? But then the trailer leads us to the belief that the Eternals are getting involved because of the blip and, and, and that. I, I mean, I don't know. But the fantasy elements of this film with that, that soul sucker, whatever it's called at the end, like that feels something that kind of fits within what I understand about the Eternals, which is literally just what the trailer tells us, which is nothing. I mean, what's going on there? I don't know. What the heck? And, and then the Ten Rings, they're coming back, which I'm super grateful for with um, his sister. Jai Ling, I mean, like, she's great. I think she's going to be fantastic leader from the Ten Rings. And I think she's, she's going to be a great continuing character in the MCU. But, like, what the heck is going on there? They're just going to come back? I mean, like, now we got the Ten Rings to deal with? Th- there's so much stuff. I mean, I, I think it's kind of a problem. Well, I also think that it's kind of great. So, yeah, th- those are all the binge points that I have. I just want to briefly kind of talk about the, the, the problem that the MCU is running into. Because if you're not weird like me and you haven't sat down to think about all the things that we have to remember each time we we have an mcu entry there's a lot going on all right since endgame which was not very long ago here's all the things at least in my memory that are significant to be going on um gamora she is now dead but we have a 2014 version who is not with the guardians but the guardians are seeking for thor is now with the guardians Valkyrie took his place as the king of Asgard, and Asgard is destroyed and is now on Earth. If we want to keep talking about Thor, Lady Thor's coming back with Jane. Okay, Loki is dead, and now we have 2012 Loki and whatever's happening over in his TVA adventures with Kang and the multiverse. Also, should have said at the start of this, spoilers for like everything in the MCU. 
on top of that, we have the new White Vision somewhere out there in the universe doing whatever he's doing. Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch and her kids that she's searching for. Agatha that she can go get whenever she wants. Sword, they're not going away anytime soon. And then Monica working with the scrolls who are working with Nick Fury in space from the Far From Home ends credit scene. Sam being the new Captain America and then the opposing US agent and what's happening there with the purple hair lady that I can't remember her name right now. Agent Carter being the power broker. Zemo being with the Wakandans, which I think he went to the RAF if I remember right. The blip. And the weirdness that that five-year gap is still causing and all the shenanigans that I'm hoping we're going to get in the She-Hulk series. The Eternals getting involved. Doctor Strange and whatever's happening with Spider-Man in that trailer. Wong and the Abomination. Yelena and the drama that's going to happen with Hawkeye, I'm assuming. Kate Bishop happening in that series. Uh, Moon Knight and his series coming along. There is so much happening. Oh my goodness. How is all this going to make sense? And then you add the Ten Rings to that, both the organization under Xiling and then also like the magical Ten Rings and whoever they're messaging. I've talked about how one of the things I loved with Shang-Chi is that it's loose and it feels standalone. But it's also building to something. And if something huge is happening over here, it makes the smaller thing happening over here way less interesting, like what happened with Ant-Man and the Wasp. He had Infinity War, and that was a huge thing. Oh, now we just want to cut back to before that and, and look at Ant-Man and the Wasp. I love Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it's, it's not as interesting compared to Infinity War, just the way it happens. On top of that, I don't want to need... I, I, I don't, I don't want to even know if this is a complaint because there's so many exciting things happening in there that I look forward to going back to it's just getting a bit messy. And, and I don't want to have to be reminded of the individual stakes at the start of each movie, right? When I go see Captain America 4 in two years or whenever we're going to see it, I don't want to recap about Sam and his particular situation and how it isn't involved in Spider-Man and Doctor Strange or whatever is happening there and how it's, it's, it's Sam and the US agent or whatever, right? There's so much going on and I just hope that it makes sense because it's getting a little messy. Either way, the MCU is a blast to enjoy, and I'm just rambling at this point, just spewing my thoughts out onto the internet for people to listen to, I guess. So to close out this rambling, let's just say Shang-Chi was a blast. Surprise hit. Can't wait to watch it again whenever that privilege is. Really, this is a blast. I want to watch it again just because it was so funny. Look forward to more Basement Binge episodes coming. Like I mentioned, please review on podchaser.com slash thebasementbinge. In addition, go over to Matt Goes the Movies to look forward to those Pirates episodes coming over on his show. But once again, my name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge, and that is all for now. Ciao, ciao. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.